fans and we are rolling welcome to onward to victory a notre dame football podcast i am your host alex painter welcome to episode 30 would you believe it this is the official 2020 season preview episode our excitement has reached a fever pitch we are mere days away from the kickoff to the 2020 season your notre dame fighting irish will be taking on the duke blue devils in south bend but before we jump in with two feet don't forget to subscribe to the show through whatever platform you prefer to listen that will of course ensure that you are getting alerted to all the new episodes such as the last one which was something of an oral history of the notre dame navy rivalry which for the first time since the series began back in 1926 the irish will not square off against the middies on the gridiron this fall Quite heartbreaking, but it looks like many of you did enjoy it. So special thank you to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American Squad, those who support the show from a financial standpoint and keep it advertising-free, growing, and frankly, on the air. If you want to find out how to donate and get some complimentary show merchandise, I'll tell you in about 30 seconds. But our Consensus All-Americans, the real MVPs around this joint, include Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazer of Williamsburg, Indiana, and a sibling duo of Adam and Colton Painter of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Cleveland, Ohio, respectively. Please consider joining these loyal sons in support of the show by visiting paypal.me slash onward to victory for a one-time donation, or if you want to donate a certain amount per month, visit patreon.com slash onward to victory podcast. I hope you all know that any support is greatly appreciated and 100% of it does indeed go back into the show. A $15 donation to the show right now will sponsor a few episodes and get your name called out as a consensus All-American over the air. You'll also receive the latest show merch, currently some canned koozies and the world famous Father William Corby coasters. We are trying to take care of those beverages this fall, this football season, and uh, I'll get them to you as quick as I can. All right, so thank you for that, but here's how the show preview is going to go. Very simply, I'm going to break down the schedule, the offense, defense, and special teams, and in addition, for the second consecutive year, I'm going to give you the Onward to Victory all-sleeper team or a couple Irish players who may not be household names necessarily, but are looking to break out this season. So let's get after it, Irish fans. 2020 will be Notre Dame's 114th season, football season that is, in school history. Throughout those 113 previous seasons, the total record for the program is 852 wins against just 312 losses and 33 ties. So this is equates to a 72.6% winning percentage. Your Irish have 11 national titles, seven winners of the Heisman Trophy, and 102 consensus All-Americans. Our coach is Brian Kelly, who sports a 92-37 and record as Fighting Irish head coach. 
As far as win, per, win total, pardon me, that is good for fourth all time in school history. Now, just in case you forgot, last season the squad finished 11-2 and, and finished at a number 12 ranking in the Associated Press poll. And we handily defeated Oklahoma State at the Camping World Bowl uh, earlier this year. So, as many of you perhaps are already aware, there will be a change in the broadcast team for Notre Dame games that are carried on NBC this season. It's actually very possible that some of you may have literally been jumping for joy at this announcement if the comments were uh, actually true. So, the steady, consummate professional Mike Tirico will remain in the booth, and Catherine Tappan will also remain on the sidelines. However, gone from the booth is Tariko's longtime partner, Doug Flutie, who has been the color commentator for Irish Games since 2014. Flutie will remain part of the pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage on select weeks, but he will be replaced in the booth with Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, a name Hoosiers and frankly, most football fans are incredibly familiar with. And he was, as he was the longtime head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and before that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, as I mentioned, this is a move that seems to be very positively received. So looking forward to some new energy, some new blood in the broadcasting booth for the 2020 season. Now, your Irish, according to the AP Top 25 poll released on August 24th, will begin the season at number 10. I would only note that there are two Big Ten schools, Ohio State and Penn State, and one Pac-12 school in Oregon ahead of them in the polls. So I guess of the schools, quote, left standing for the fall, they rank as the seventh highest. It's still a somewhat unknown what conferences, if any, including the Big Ten and Pac-12, will lift their season postponements and when. But either way, your Fighting Irish are unequivocally a top 10 program in the land, and they should be. As we are going to discuss, they have some very, very deep position groups. And moving on to the schedule, it's a bit topsy-turvy, so to speak, when to where it was originally announced. But again, just in case you missed this, Notre Dame will join the ACC as a full football member this fall and are even eligible to win a conference championship. In fact, in the preseason poll that was released just last week of this, as of this recording, Notre Dame is ranked second in their newfound conference. So while Clemson took home 132 of the 134 first place votes, the Irish did grab the other two for what it's worth. So the schedule for the 2020 season is as follows. Duke, September 12th. South Florida, September 19th at Wake Forest on September 26th, a bye week to prepare for Florida State on October 10th, Louisville, October 17th, at Pittsburgh, October 24th, that's a matchup I am really excited for, at Georgia Tech on Halloween, and of course, circle your calendar for the showdown against number one ranked Clemson at home on November 7th. Then a conference, then conference games at Boston College and at North Carolina, and Senior Day against Syracuse on November 14th, 27th, and December 5th, respectively. When it comes to the schedule, it is without a doubt, as it stands right now, coming down to that November 7th game against quarterback and presumptive number one overall pick, 
Trevor Lawrence and his Clemson Tiger teammates. So the ace in the hole for this game is the fact that it is being played in South Bend, where the Irish, dating back to 2017, are 19-1. Not too shabby. But the issue, of course, arises when considering that the capacity of Notre Dame Stadium, and that stadium which typically seats 80,795 loyal sons and daughters will be limiting the stadium to a 20% capacity for obvious reasons we don't need to get into right now. But after performing some back-of-the-envelope math, so to speak, it looks as though that means there will be 16,159 fans in the stands. I can only hope that all 16,000-plus have rested vocal cords to make that stadium as absolutely loud as it can be. Now, how could this be viewed as a positive, the limited fans in the stands? Well, if you're like me, you may still suffer some night sweats about that 2017 game against Georgia. So two things. For one, it was a home game played in South Bend. But for two, the place was completely decked out in red-clad bulldog fans. It was quite a shame as the game, again, for one that felt like an away game, being played at home was a one-point loss for the Fighting Irish. And it came out later that Georgia fans paid thousands of dollars for a seat to the game, which was allegedly the first time the dogs had played north of the Mason-Dixon line since 1965. Just incredible. So while perhaps the crowd will be smaller, hopefully Notre Dame officials will closely mediate who will get the tickets so as to not have a repeat of that 2017 matchup. All right, so let's break down the offense by position group with the official onward to victory position group grades. And any mention of the depth chart that I'm going to kind of make mention of here throughout these assessments is courtesy of 247sports.com. So let's first start with quarterback. No surprise here, it's Ian Book, recently named captain for the second consecutive season. 34 touchdowns versus just six interceptions last year, Book will look to shake the stigma that he comes up a bit short in big games in 2020. Now, quarterback will always carry a bit more scrutiny and, I guess, on the other side of the coin, get praise heaped on when things are going well. But I will say, I was incredibly excited about Book's return, a point that I've made plenty of times on this show. Uh, Frankly, it was probably more of a shock to me how many weren't excited about it. I mean, he solidifies the most important position on the football field, and we will be unequivocally better at this spot, on paper anyways, than any other team we play, with the exception of the aforementioned Clemson Tigers. Now, it was doubly important to have experience at this spot because we do have a relatively inexperienced receiving core in 2020. Now, they are kind of sneakily deep and talented, But that doesn't change the fact that our top three pass catchers, receivers Chase Claypool and Chris Fink, as well as tight end Cole Komet, have all moved on. And make no mistake, folks, Book coming back was absolutely huge. His 57 touchdowns over his career rank behind only Brady Quinn, Tommy Reese, and Jimmy Clausen, respectively. 
and a couple good games will actually put him ahead of Reese and Clausen. I mean, he's poised, he's experienced, he's calm. If he stays healthy, this is going to work out very well. So backing up Book is sophomore Brendan Clark, who saw a bit of action last year in a couple games. So at quarterback, I'm going to give Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, an A. So again, an A for the quarterback position. Now, let's move on to wide receivers. You might remember about 30 seconds ago when I said the top three pass catchers from the program last year have departed. Again, not to fear. If it's possible to say that this way, again, this crew is really seemingly inexperienced, but also strangely kind of deep as well. And at the very least, the wide receiver position group brings some intrigue, if not anything else. So let's talk about the starters. So first at wide receiver number one is St. Michael the Archangel. Okay, not really. <laughs> but he most certainly feels like he is this group's position group's archangel. In a sense, it's Fort Wayne native and graduate transfer Ben Skoranek. Six foot three, 225 pounds. Skoranek will use that size to win plenty of one-on-one matchups. But he solidifies the position with experience, bringing in 110 collegiate receptions in with him from Northwestern. And the word is from Coach Kelly that he's also tough-nosed, blue-collared sort. But it cannot be emphasized enough just how important his presence is, particularly when you look at, again, the next few guys on the depth chart. Not to say they aren't exciting, but however, when you look at it from an experience standpoint, having a guy like Skoranek, Again, I jokingly call him the group's archangel, but how important his presence is. Because again, the next four guys on the depth chart, or at least how they are arranged for week one, is interesting. But you put all four of them together, they combined for a total of 45 catches last year. That's with all four of them put together, which again serves to underscore the importance of a veteran in Skoranek in the wide receiver room. But on the week one depth chart, tabbed as a starter, is the recipient of the show's fabled kind of golden shovel award, so to speak, or recognition of work ethic and team first attitude. And that's receiver Avery Davis, a guy that we talk about on the show a lot. I like Davis, okay? And he might not pan out as a, a, a spectacular wide receiver, but he does bring a certain level of maturity and team first attitude to the position group. Uh, if you're otherwise unaware, he gets the Golden Shovel Award because he plays. He has played quarterback, running back, defensive back, and wide receiver for the Irish over his last four years. Pretty much wherever he's asked, uh, he is going to play. And I think there's something admirable about that, particularly when you consider just how highly acclaimed Davis was leaving high school as a quarterback. So he will get his shot this year, I hope. Uh, but also slated to start is six foot two, 215-pound senior Javon McKinley. Of his 11 catches last year, four of them went for six. And he had a very strong camp, which I think gave him the slightest of bumps over some of the backups. But also you put the, the six foot three Skoranek and the six foot two McKinley out on the field together. And I think the hope is that you're going to win a lot of the size matchups. So, Braden Lindsay, who averaged over 23 yards on each of his 11 catches last year, is slated to be a backup and will also see some time. 
as well as New Orleans product Lawrence Keyes III. So again, though they are listed as backups, they are key cogs in this position group. And again, the position group gives a lot of intrigue and upside, particularly in the somewhat proven Lindsay. So though this position group could ultimately be considered a strength of the program with a fairly solid blend of size and speed and explosiveness, it will still enter the season as perhaps one of the largest question marks. So I'm going to give the position group a B- with upside. All right, moving on to running back. Gone is Tony Jones Jr., the leading rusher for the program in 2019 with 857 yards. In 2020, this is going to be kind of a running back by committee approach. So senior Jafar Armstrong and juniors Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister, though much more seasoned, will be yielding a lot of carries to youngsters, sophomore Kyron Williams and freshman Dynamo. Chris Tyree. In fact, for the week one depth chart, Williams and Tyree are listed as number one and number two respectively. Coach Brian Kelly has made no secret that he is very high on Kyron Williams in particular. So when it comes to the running back position group for Notre Dame, the youth movement seems to be on. But of course, look for the vets to see some time as well. You get a guy like Jafar Armstrong who has played both wide receiver and running back, and he has that ability to catch passes, you might see him lining up in a slot position. And there is a lot of talent and explosiveness in this group, particularly with Williams seizing that number one spot. And by the way, Williams is also a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield. So many, many folks around the program, myself included, are fairly convinced that this guy, Kyron Williams, is a star in the making. So paired with an incredibly strong offensive line, we're going to talk about here in a minute, I'm going to give this group a very solid B, but again, with incredible upside. Which now brings us to the offensive line. Whew. This is the strength of the entire program, uh, even beating out quarterback and defensive line. Uh, this is from my vantage point, but I'm sure many, many, many experts would agree with this. So Let's work left to right, shall we? At left tackle, you have Liam Eichenberg. Despite some struggles at times last year, he has drawn tons of comparisons to another Notre Dame tackle in Mike McGlinchey. But lest we forget, uh, two years ago, he didn't yield a single sack the entire season. Left tackle is in great hands with the senior Cleveland, Ohio native Eichenberg, who has started 26 games in his career. At left guard, you have Aaron Banks, who was recently named to the ACC preseason all-conference team. He also enters the season with 26 career starts. At center, you have Jarrett Patterson. So Patterson started all 13 games last year and is one of the best centers in the entire country. On 854 snaps last year, he allowed zero quarterback sacks and only two quarterback hits. At right guard, you have Tommy Kramer, who is returning this year as a graduate student after suffering a knee injury against Michigan last year. Kramer has started 29 games on his career. And I hope you're getting a sense of why I keep relaying the games started because 
This is an incredibly impressive position group. And then at right tackle, you have Robert Hainsey, also known as Bob. But like Book, he was also recently named a team captain. He commands the respect in the locker room and is one of the leaders of this very, very talented position group. And he has 21 starts on his career. And so backing up multiple positions is the enormous six foot seven. Yes, six foot seven, 310 pound Josh Lug, who has also seen tons of action in the past two seasons and can pretty much play like maybe not left tackle, but he can play multiple positions up and down the line. Tommy Tremble and Brock Wright look to hold down the tight end position. So if you remember, Tremble was the purveyor of multiple dazzling catches last season while backing up a certain Cole Komet. So with over 100 starts among the front five, you guessed it, A-plus with emphasis with, to the unequivocal strength of the entire program. And I know when many of us watch football games, our eyes tend to dart where the football goes. However, this year, keep an eye on this offensive line. As a unit, they are the best in the entire country, I have to believe. If the rest of this offense is the bricks, they are without a doubt the mortar. Defense and special teams right after this. Alrighty, so let's move on to defense. And I will say that this defense has some serious potential to be a bad group of men. So let's dig into the defensive line. Yet going into the season, another perceived strength of the program. So bookending the defensive line are senior defensive ends Dalen Hayes and Adi Ogundeji. Even though these two are technically replacing two draft picks in Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara, they don't plan on missing a beat. At least this position group doesn't. Over the past two seasons, Ogundeji has logged four and a half sacks and nine tackles for loss. And Hayes has registered six sacks and 14 and a half tackles for loss in his career. Now, I can't begin to express just how much this puts the Fighting Irish in a very unique, but yet enviable position. After replacing probably one of the most productive defensive end tandems in recent history, with this much experience and this much upside in Ogundeji and Hayes. Hayes is certainly one of those names that we have known for a number of years. He backed up, he pretty much backed up the two talented Kareem and Okwara for a number of years. And Ogundeji is a guy who has been so good, so athletic, so rangy, that you could not deny him playing time. So quite a, as I mentioned, enviable position for the Irish to have going into this year. And junior Justin Adamalola will see some reps as backup, and you will undoubtedly see him lined up on the edge and in the rotation. Now, at defensive tackle you are actually returning the core four, so to speak, from last season. So at the three technique spot, or the one uh, defensive tackle that typically shades over the offensive guard, you will have senior Myron Tagavaloa Amosa, who will be backed up by the other Adamalola brother in Jason. 
So at the nose guard position, which I'm sorry if otherwise you're unaware, this is typically the defensive tackle position that lines up directly over or shaded on the center. You have senior Kurt Heinisch, who is projected to start, but he will be backed up by sophomore Jacob Lacey. So again, just like in the three technique spot, you have a bevy of experience coming back in Heinisch and Lacey. And if you don't have a ton of familiarity with these names as I'm telling them to you, I'm telling you, no worries. Get excited about them though, because I am going to give this group an emphatic A grade, uh, particularly for upside, experience, explosiveness, strength, pretty much everything across the board. This is an incredibly deep and exciting position group. So they get an emphatic A grade from me. Okay, so let's move back to the linebacker position. So the linebacker position is headlined by perhaps the baddest man on defense. That is preseason ACC all-conference selection outside linebacker Jeremiah Usukoromoa. How bad was he? Last year he had 80 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, four passes defensed, two forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. So here's the deal, gang. Remember how you used to find number nine, Jalen Smith, or number five, Manti Teo, out there on defense? And you just followed them around because you knew they'd find the ball or make you know an impact play of some kind. I'm telling you, find number six, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. He has big play written all over over him. And standing next to JOK at linebacker is middle linebacker Drew White. Now, whereas Jeremiah gets a lot of the press, a lot of the ink, so to speak, and rightfully so, don't sleep on Drew White. He actually also logged 80 tackles last year. Drew and Jeremiah tied for the team lead, and he stopped eight men in the backfield for a loss, and he also had a couple sacks. So he's a pretty tough SOB, and he's a true middle linebacker in the sense that he just has a nose for the football. Think of, well, when we're thinking about Jalen Smith, think of the guy who stood next to Jalen Smith for a couple years there and Joe Schmidt. Just another guy, kind of a scrapper who, again, put his head down and found the football, and particularly in run support. But Drew White's, I mean, probably a little bit more athletic even than, than Joe Schmidt. So the other outside spot will be assumed either by Shane Simon or Marist Leofau. So the linebacker room actually also has some quality depth in Bo Bauer and Paul Moala, who uh, Moala is a Mishawaka, Indiana native. I always try to keep good track of the Hoosiers on the squad. And although there is some uncertainty at one of the spots, one of those outside linebacker spots, as I mentioned, uh, Simon or Leofau, uh, will will take control. Uh, I am pretty high on this group. Again, headlined by JOK and Drew White. So I'm going to give this group an A minus. All right. So let's move back to the secondary. So cornerback will be held down by a trio of guys, more than likely, at least as it stands right now, in North Carolina State transfer Nick McLeod, uh, Tariq Bracey who had seven passes defense last season, and freshman Clarence Lewis. So again, Lewis is a freshman, 
who you've been hearing kind of whispers and murmurs about all camp, and the staff seems to be really, really high on him. Now, I do have a fair amount of faith in this group, though, again, there aren't many names who would pop out and inspire heaps of confidence at this time, but I guess I'm going back to history and recent history at that with uh, the cornerback position at Notre Dame, which has quietly been very good over the past several seasons, even as they are kind of scraping together some no-name prospects or spare parts from time to time, cobbling together a very, very strong position group. So I have no doubt that this is a group uh, that will be able to perform effectively. So, however, you bump a little bit back in safety is really where this position group is set to excel once again. Headlined by 2019 freshman All-American free safety Kyle Hamilton. Now Hamilton will slide back into that center field type role for the backside of the Irish. And he led the team with four interceptions last year. Uh, However, you do have some really strong, well pardon the pun, but strong candidates for the strong safety position in Sean Crawford and Houston Griffith, who will again look to solidify the strong safety position. And got a transfer from Ohio State named Isaiah Pryor, who will probably see the field quite a bit on defense and special teams. So there's definitely some talent here. And for many programs across the country, Notre Dame's defensive secondary talent would probably headline their defense. But the secondary will definitely benefit, uh, our secondary, Notre Dame's current secondary, will definitely benefit by a strong front seven. So I'm giving them a B plus. So finally, the specialists. And let's start with perhaps the most surprising, pleasant surprise, I guess I should say, of 2019, and that is kicker senior Jonathan Dorr who will again be back as the kicker, both place kicker and field goal kicker. He was absolutely fantastic last season. He converted all 57 of his extra point attempts and as well as 17 of 20 field goals, connecting on field goals at an 85% clip. He replaced that question mark at the position with an exclamation point. That question mark, of course, was put in place by the departing Justin Yoon, who had been the Irish kicker for four seasons. So again, for some context, Dorr scored 108 points last season as a kicker, which were the most ever by an Irish kicker. So my goodness, what a luxury to have a guy like Jonathan Dorr back as kicker. And moving over to punter, sophomore Jay Bramblett is back and will be doing the punting duties once again. He averaged just under 40 yards per punt and placed 18 of his punts inside the opponent's 20-yard line. I suppose in some, some people might consider the most important stat of all is that he didn't have a single blocked punt all season. So he had some growing pains as a freshman, as you might imagine, But however, he certainly enjoyed a fine season, particularly for a freshman. And we look to hopefully see some improvement out of Bramblett here in year two. So as far as kicking and punt returnings, pardon me, kick and punt returns, you're going to see some amalgamation of Lawrence Keyes III, Chris Tyree, and Jafar Armstrong, who will be covering those duties. So now finally, the official Onward to Victory all sleeper team. 
So for some context, this is a group of players I select for everyone to kind of keep a friendly eye on. I try to typically pick players who I feel could have breakout seasons, but maybe many folks aren't talking about, or maybe some fans may not have heard of, or again, just a lower level of familiarity. So last season, I was struggling whether I should have chose Dorr or Bramblett, uh, as far as kicker or punter, I ended up going with Bramblett, which I don't necessarily regret. However, Jonathan Dorr, given the season he had, would have been an incredibly astute pick. But I also picked tight end Cole Komet, which, again, I guess not to look at revisionist history, there, there was, not to create revisionist history, pardon me, but sincerely, going into last season, Komet was, uh, had, had a lot of upside, but not a ton of production. So after the 2019 season, uh, that upside was realized and he had production in absolute spades. So he was on my all-sleeper team last year, which proved to be a pretty solid choice. And perhaps where I missed was defensive back Houston Griffith. I love Griffith's size. I love his athleticism. I just didn't see the field as much as I otherwise thought he would, but maybe this is his year. And then I picked a couple others as well. So, this season, I'm going to go with, first of all, wide receiver Ben Skoranek. Again, transfer from Northwestern. I called him the archangel of the position group. While that seems a bit ham-fisted and possibly sacrilege, please don't take it that way, I really do mean that. Uh, He's a guy that I think has shown a lot since he's been on campus, since he arrived earlier this year. But he truly does solidify that position group with a lot of experience, which that position group so desperately needed. And again, he's one that a lot of people aren't necessarily talking about, but uh, probably because he is truly so new. But sincerely, look out for Skoranek. I think he's going to be extremely productive on the field this year. Uh, But again, I think he's also going to elevate that entire position group. All right, so... Choice number two is outside linebacker Marist Leofau. Now, Leofau just looks like a football player to me. And I know that there's not necessarily, that's not really necessarily what you rely on when making these assessments. However, he looks very athletic in practice. Um, he actually hails from the same high school as a former Irish linebacker, Manti Teo. So there is that. And honestly, I think um, there's like kind of one of the more open competitions in Irish training camp was whether it was Leah Fowle or Shane Simon who are going to take over that vacant outside linebacker position. Uh, Jordan Jenmark Heath actually is transferring out of the program. He will graduate from Notre Dame, but he's going to seek another football opportunity elsewhere, which kind of opened the door for those two. But someone's going to seize that position. And my sense is it's Leah Fowle. Uh, who who might you might hear his name a lot, uh, and even if even if uh, Shane Simon is the one who wins that competition, I do believe you're going to hear Maris' name uh, as a rotational player, but also probably as a special teamer. So again, uh, just keep an eye out for Maris Leah Fowl, uh, selection number two for the Onward to Victory sleeper team. And I kind of spilled the tea earlier on this one, but defensive back Clarence Lewis. Again, a freshman, but who has been turning heads all summer long at training camp. So Lewis is listed as just a shade under six foot and about 190 pounds. He's a Jersey native, Garden State native. But again, the uh, the cornerback position is one that 
Again, will be rotational. There are some really viable candidates there, but it's also a position group where a freshman can really come in and make a strong impact immediately. So look for Clarence Lewis. Again, kind of in the same vein as Leah Fowl. You're going to see him on defense. You're probably going to see him out on special teams as well because he's very, very athletic. But again, so Clarence Lewis is the third selection for the onward to victory all sleeper team. So again, you have wide receiver Ben Skoranek. Linebacker Maris Leafau, as well as cornerback Clarence Lewis. So keep a special eye on these players, and we will be right back with show wrap up. All right, and really quickly here, I know we have a number of NFL fans in the room, so let's go ahead and talk about those Irish players who have successfully made NFL opening day rosters as well. So there's 29 of them. So I guess it's from Brian Driscoll at Sports Illustrated's Irish Breakdown. But for the Ravens, you have Ronnie Stanley and Miles Boykin. For the Carolina Panthers, Troy Pride Jr. and J.J. Jansen. Some of these names are going to ring some bells and probably take you down memory lane. For the Cincinnati Bengals, Khaled Kareem. Chicago Bears, Alex Bars and Cole Komet. Dallas Cowboys, of course, have Zach Martin and Jalen Smith. And the Detroit Lions have the Aquara brothers, both Julian and Romeo. Perhaps they will both be on the field at the same time. They play the same position at defensive end. Uh, the Houston Texans have the other Martin brother in Nick, as well as Will Fuller, pardon me, the Green Bay Packers sport equanimous St. Brown, the Indianapolis Colts, Quentin Nelson and Sheldon Day, Jacksonville Jaguars, Tyler Eifert for the Minnesota Vikings, two former Irish greats in Kyle Rudolph and Harrison Smith. The New York Giants have Golden Tate and Julian Love. The Los Angeles Chargers had Isaac Rochelle, Jerry Tillery, Drew Tranquil, and Alohi Gilman. How about this one? Durham Smythe, tight end, continues to make the Miami Dolphins. Of course, Mike McGlinchey with the San Francisco 49ers. And then for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Stephon Tuitt and Chase Claypool. But as Driscoll reports, the news wasn't all good for former Irish players. So here's a list of former Notre Dame players that failed to make rosters. They very well might get picked up by practice squads, but here we go. James Onowalu, Cole Luke, Sam Mustafer, Jalen Elliott, Dexter Williams, Sam Young, Theo Riddick, that's a bummer, Tony Jones Jr., Kavari Russell, Dante Vaughn, Asmar Bilal, Chris Fink, Josh Adams, Matthias Farley, Bennett Jackson, and Jameer Jones. Uh, as I mentioned, all were cut from their respective squads. But again, uh, some of those were undrafted free agent rookies. Um, and some uh, will probably undoubtedly end up on a practice squad this year. So there is the exhaustive look at uh, your Irish in the pros. So if you dig this show, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, just click that purple icon. Also on Spotify, CastBox, as well as Podbean at onwardtovictory.podbean.com. Please like, subscribe. As I mentioned at the top of the show, do whatever you got to do. Make sure you're getting all the new episodes. If you are using an iPhone, please give the show five stars if you find it in your heart. 
that actually helps uh, if someone go to search Notre Dame football podcast and they actually there's an algorithm that if the more uh, rankings you have, particularly five stars, the uh, the quicker that people will be able to find the more easier that people will be able to find the show. So help the show grow even just by that. Please interact with the show on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash onward to victory. We have tons of new members on Facebook. Welcome to all of you. Please feel free anyone to make your voice heard on the Facebook Messenger. Comment on any of the pictures and the news. Feel free to send the show an email at onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. I promise you, if you send the show correspondence, I will read it over the air. If you'd like to name yourself to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American list, join loyal sons Brad, Michael, Adam, or Colton, become a loyal son or daughter, so to speak, yourself, you can do so very simply. A $15 donation will sponsor episodes and get your name called out as an Consensus Onward to Victory, uh, excuse me, Consensus All-American over the air. You'll also receive the latest show swag, currently some canned koozies and world-famous Father William Corby coasters. So again, try and take care of those beverages. You can donate at paypal.me slash Onward to Victory for a one-time donation. Or if you want to donate a certain amount per month, please visit patreon.com slash Onward to Victory podcast. 100% goes back into the show, and please know that it is incredibly greatly appreciated sincerely thank you to the consensus all americans who truly keep the show on the air as always thank you to joseph rakish who allows the show to use his song called canute rockney as the theme song you can find on spotify itunes soundcloud or youtube give this one a spin so that wraps up episode number 30 the season preview episode i honestly did not think this day would come, and I am so happy that the uh, that they're hopefully able to mitigate the safety for all these young men who are out there playing. I cannot, again, my excitement personally has reached a fever pitch. I am so excited. My family, we're going to be queuing up Rudy. We watch Rudy every single year around this time leading up to the game. Um, there's going to be a little contest on the Facebook page. I want you to share some of your family traditions with, with the show. I'm going to read them in a future episode, but there will be prizes. I'll make sure that the uh, winners and the participants, depending on how many we can get, will get some prizes as uh, you know, thank you for participating. If you haven't already, I was up in Fort Wayne, Indiana over the weekend and just happened to pop into a liquor store, and they actually had those Notre Dame Guinness beers, those limited edition ones. So so be on the lookout for those at your favorite package store. So I'm really excited to indulge in one or two of those. And so actually wanted to say a special thank you to my older brother, Ben, uh, who we went into the uh, the liquor store together. And I'm not one to do this very often, but I had forgotten my wallet at his house, which is who I was visiting with. And so he was kind enough. I of course repaid him to buy me to to front me the money for one of these Guinness uh, Notre Dame limited edition packs. So speaking of my older brother Ben, best of luck. He is doing a presentation. He's in sales. He's actually the national sales manager for Flint and Walling out of Kendallville, Indiana, and he is doing something of a talk or a seminar about innovative tactics in sales. And he is actually likening this back to. Knut Rockney, so how, how much would you love to be sitting in this presentation? He is actually likening it back to Knut Rockney back in 1913 when, of course, him and his teammate Gus DeRay perfected the forward pass and practiced it all summer on the beaches of Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio. 
And then, of course, they unleashed it to perfection against Army, where they absolutely whitewashed the overwhelmingly favorited Army team, which really kind of put Notre Dame on the map. So best of luck to Ben. Uh, he kind of called me. He was like, what do you think of this presentation idea? And naturally, I said, I love it. And so he showed me it. it it's really, really impressive. So if you happen to be sitting in on it, I hope you enjoy and best of luck on the facilitation of that. So my goodness, I hope everyone has a wonderful opening weekend of college football. I, as I mentioned, fever pitch excitement in my house. And I look forward to uh, being able to discuss with you all uh, first week one of the Irish of Irish action. But alas, I should sign off. So this has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And, and in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish.